In March, Orange County and the state of California took action to slow the spread of the novel coronavirus. Here at UCI, many students went home, classes moved online, and staff and faculty started working remotely. Now, UCI is starting to re-engage operations and plan out how to bring more people back to campus. In the process, we're fortunate to have some of the top public health experts in the nation working right here to help guide us through this transition. Welcome to the Anteater Insider, where you can get the inside scoop on all things UCI. I'm Aaron Orlowski, and today I'm speaking with Bernadette Bowden-Albala, the Director and Founding Dean of UCI's Program in Public Health. Dean Bowden-Albala, thank you for joining me today on the Anteater Insider. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much, Aaron. Well, let's start with talking about the latest trends in COVID-19 infection rates and deaths. Where do we currently stand here in Orange County? So, you know, Orange County has been really a unique county, um, I think, since the beginning. And as you said, Aaron, the first thing is we did a fantastic job in March. In early March, the trajectory for what we call surge and peak was really looking grim. We were looking like we were going to follow Italy. The cases were growing. They were doubling about every three days. And that's that was really... Um, you know, setting up a disaster here. And we were concerned, honestly, in Orange County at that point, if that rate had continued, that we were not gonna have enough hospital beds, we were not gonna have enough ventilators. And I think um, here at UCI, the, the chancellor made a really insightful and smart decision, which was to get everybody that could get off campus, off campus, to go remote, everybody shelter in place, um, right, right the day after following that decision, Orange County sheltered in place, and within days, California was sheltering in place. And Aaron, it's really dramatic to see that over the next three weeks, that sheltering in place shifted that curve and really did start to flatten the curve. So where are we now? Well, we're what? Almost 12 weeks later, um, we are doing very well. But I have to say that as people are starting to go out, as people are getting restless, over the last couple of weeks, I saw this increase to about 60 new cases a day on average. And that has crept up now to over 100 cases a day on average. And we had a real high the other day, um, close to 200 cases. Now, a couple of things could be accounting for that. One could be that we have much more access to testing and people are getting tested and that's really good. Um, the other thing that could be accounting for those number of high cases is that we really, like other counties across the country, um, we're really getting hard hit at nursing homes. And um, so that can be also accounting for those cases. It almost seems like the fact that the shelter in place worked is making people feel almost overconfident, you know, and, and maybe someone starts to wonder, well, the infection rates aren't that bad. Uh, so why can't I just go out and, and head out? And it sounds like what you're saying is that, well, all of those, all those shelter in place and other measures, they, they worked. And that's why we're not seeing... Uh, you know, these high numbers. 
they were, and that's what no one seems to understand. The, there was huge behavior change here. And because of that, we were able to haul transmission in many places across the county. It's a, a system of sort of checks and balances, right? We up, understand that we have this really nasty virus, but we also want to live our lives in some way. Um, you know, we can't shelter in place forever. And so here's the important thing. When we move out of sheltering in place, we have to be extra vigilant, okay? So we have the opportunity, yes, you can go out. Yes, in some places you can go to a restaurant, okay? But that means that you have to take more precautions, okay? Life, we're not back to life as totally normal life as usual yet. So what are some of those extra precautions that uh, people need to take as they you know, start to head out into the, into the world again? So we know a couple of things. We know that there's this, there's this approximately six foot barrier that we need to really be careful of. We have to continue to wear masks. There's a lot of data to suggest that being outside is better than being inside. So wear a mask, be outside. The other main way besides air droplets, the other way that you can get COVID is touch. Some people don't touch their mail for four days and then bring it in and open up their mail. I have to say, I go out, I get my mail and I bring it back into my house, okay? Um, and I open my mail up. But I do keep my groceries, why not? Out in the garage a little bit unless they're perishable. Um, and I do go pull into my, my um, garage and when I get out, I have gloves on. If I've gone to a store and I take the gloves off and I just throw them away and I have, you know, I do a change of clothing, you know, buy my washing machine in my garage. It makes me feel better, right? Masks are things, you know, you, you, you have a good sense of putting them on, it's there, right? And I, I'll tell you something else, I always wear glasses. I always wear sunglasses or the glasses I have so that I don't touch my eyes because what we're trying to do, if everyone remembers, we're trying to keep the virus away from our mouth, our nose, and our eyes. I go to the supermarket and everybody has their masks on, excellent. But then everybody's touching everything all over the place. Um, and you really, you, it's fine, you don't have to wear gloves, but if you don't, you have to be vigilant. You've gotta get to your hands and thoroughly wash them with soap, soap, soap is my favorite. And I carry soap with me everywhere. You touch something, somebody else touches that, okay? And this happens all the time. And then you, you, you have an itch on your face and you scratch it, and there you go. We should make sure that we, um, we help our businesses, we support our local businesses, but still keep stuff to a minimum, you know? We don't have to go to a mall every single weekend. Order online from, you know, from the stores. It's important. The more contact you're with people, the denser the crowd of people that you're with, the greater the likelihood that you will contract this virus. Well, and... I think I need to have to ask the question that's probably on all of our minds as, as UCI um, you start, starts to re-engage operations and more folks are uh, planning on coming back to campus. Is it safe to return to campus? It's absolutely safe. We are so lucky at UCI to have a first magnificent open air large campus. 
people that were not able to leave the campus in, you know, for spring quarter, and there were like 6,000 people that did not leave, students, that, um, they've actually been really safe. We haven't had this, you know, this transmission of COVID, and that's because we kept people in single rooms. We told them that they would have to do takeout food. We, um, we didn't have more than four people sharing a bathroom. And so it is safe. There is so much cleaning going on. And that, <laughs> oh my goodness. And there's, there's so much cleaning going on that I, I don't even, I'm hoping we won't even have a bad flu season. Uh, but the campus is safe because we have all these plans in place. And so a couple of things, if I might, um, one is that the expectation is that as part of this community, we should all be screening ourselves every single day. And, and this is about our safety, and this is about our contribution to the campus. We have a responsibility, all of us, to keep our campus safe from COVID. And we do that in a lot of ways. And one is daily screening. And there's a nice app that you can that you can uh, have that UCI has. So one is you're taking your temperature and then you're going and, and going through every single day, you know, do I have a cough? Do I have fever? Um, do I have aches and pains? Do I have difficulty breathing? And going through these symptoms. If you have any of those symptoms, you do not go to work. If you're a student and you have those symptoms, you go to your dorm room or you go to your apartment. And if you're really not feeling well and have those symptoms, you should call student health or your provider. And, um, and if you're a faculty member, there's numbers, but basically calling occupational health, same with staff. And they will tell you in those places, student health or occupational health, they will, they will screen you. And more than likely, if you have these symptoms, they will bring you in and you will get tested, PCR tested for active COVID, for active coronavirus, right. And so we have come up with a system here that's going to really facilitate that process. So it's better, we think, the evidence is better to screen and be really vigilant about getting people who are symptomatic tested versus just testing everybody. We have decreased the number of people that are gonna come to campus by offering a lot of remote, um, we have um, decreased the number of people in a room at the dorm. So we've decreased the number of students sharing a bathroom. The other thing we've done is that all the classrooms, we've gone in and inventoried them. So all classrooms will be um, spaced out for students so that we have this six foot social distancing. And we're also creating space for graduate students and lab students so that everybody has a 250 square foot space that is theirs. Yeah, and it sounds like those are so many amazing measures to, to make sure that that's the case and kind of a, a total uh, assessment of every aspect of, of being on campus to make sure that uh, it's, all, it's all safe. That's right. Well, I wanted to ask you about uh, a project that you're working on uh, with the Orange County Healthcare Agency about um, determining the, the real infection rates here in Orange County. Um, this seems like a really innovative partnership um, on a surveillance study. Can you tell us some more about that and you know, how that partnership came to be uh, and what you're seeking to find out? 
Yes. So Orange County Healthcare Agency has really been a fantastic partner to us in public health and to UCI overall. Some of the early partnerships included things like modeling, right? How, how bad is, is COVID going to hit us if we do nothing? If we do something like shelter in place, what does that look like? And so we have a team of people and, you know, we're still modeling every single day because this could still come back. If we, if we ease up too fast or we're not vigilant, the number of cases will continue to rise. We don't have a vaccine yet. So one of the things that we really want to understand though, because nobody really knows this, is how has COVID spread throughout Orange County? And, and COVID is really in, in a lot of ways a very local disease because, because density of population, population movement, use of public transportation is very different in different counties. And so what this testing will do is will allow us to say, in, in this population of Orange County, who has really sort of seen COVID, who has encountered it, and whether they were symptomatic or not, um, if they have antibodies, it means that they have actually encountered the virus to, an ex to such an extent that the body has made antibodies. And, it, and it, again, there are gonna be people who have no memory of ever having had something like COVID and because it was mild or they were asymptomatic. But what we can do is we can get a representative sample. And so what we have to do, Aaron, is we have to go and randomly sample people. So how do we do that? It used to be easy when everybody had a phone. Um, we would do something called random digit dialing and or a landline. We could get people that way. And I was engaged in my, all of my study, all my work has actually been doing this kind of random sampling. And participation means, just like we're doing with COVID all over the county, we drive up and drive through, you, push, you put your hand out, you do it. We're doing a finger stick, okay? A, a little finger stick co collection of blood. And then these people are given um, uh, a place to go that's secure to get their results. We're using a screening tool. We're screening 5,000 people and anybody that tests positive is offered then what we would what we would call the diagnostic antibody test and that's what we're doing and so we can't tell you where because we don't want you to come unless we told you <laughs> but we want to do this right the test the pinprick blood test that's being used that was developed at UCI right Yes, yes. So the pinprick test that we're be that is being used is actually really interesting. It's called a microarray, and so it doesn't just t it actually tests for or it gives you comparisons to a number of other viral infections like influenza, for example. There'll be a, a nice research. We'll learn more not just about prevalence but about COVID and the immune system as well. And so. Uh, Phil Feldner and Sahir Khan um, uh, were, are, are the investigators that have really developed this microarray. We are really excited about working with them and excited to see what's going on in Orange County. Yeah, and we will look forward to seeing the results of that uh, surveillance study when it comes out. Well, thank you so much, Dean Bodenabala, for joining me today on the Anteater Insider. We really appreciate it. We will talk to you soon. Great, I appreciate being here. You take care. I'll talk to you soon too.
The Anteater Insider is a production of UCI's Office of Strategic Communications and Public Affairs.